welcome back to another episode of Protein Ramblings. So we're back this week, and it's just myself and Naomi, with a more serious topic, more sensitive topic. Uh, we're going to be talking mental health and in particular eating disorders. Uh, before we get into all that, however, I did want to just mention uh, or talk about a, a, an awesome podcast that I found called uh, Tweets Ahead. I've been chatting to one of the guys from there and stumbled across it on Reddit and listening re- regularly. It's a fun podcast where four Irish guys sit down and talk about their favorite tweets from the week. But don't listen to me. Listen to them. Uh, check out this little clip uh, about their show. Check out Tweets Ahead. An Irish podcast where we discuss our favourite tweets and trends from the week. Whether it's social, political or from the world of sports, we love the unpredictable mess that is Twitter. You can listen to us on platforms such as Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Amazon, CastBox and more. And you can even follow us on Twitter at TweetsAheadCast. Like until around the mid-90s second, Donald Trump was a Democrat. Men haven't been playing women in plays for a long time, Sean. I wonder, is that something that's just on Twitter, this whole left and right thing? I feel like I have to, ex- I have to explain like a lot of in-jokes there in a short space of time. It's America's laugh. Yeah. So, I hope you enjoyed the uh, little clip of Tweets Ahead there. I'll make sure to post links in the show notes to all their social media and all that good stuff and where you can find them. And uh, yeah, check them out. A lot of fun podcast, uh, especially if you, if you enjoy some satirical looks at some silly tweets and things like that. And it's always just satisfying to hear for Irish guys. There is something about the Irish accent that is very soothing. Completely. Yeah. Definitely. I completely agree. So... Before we get into this episode proper, we should probably mm, trigger warning. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's going to be a heavy one. Um, We're going to be talking about eating disorders, the the things that come along with that, be it um, you know purging, starving, you know fasting, things like that. And it could it could be very difficult for some people. Yeah, out and there if you to think this, to. it's not going to be for you, then that's absolutely fine to give it a skip. No, the reason we're doing this episode is because myself. Uh, I've suffered with a, a, an eating disorder for the last 10 years and I'm on about to go into long, not long term, but I'm actually going to be going in for some inpatient treatment for at least four weeks to see if we can kind of finally break the back of this and nail it on its head. And I thought it would be interesting and beneficial maybe for some people to hear the real experiences of someone, especially and so this is this is sort of a part of this that I've struggled to think of how to approach it because I don't want to come across sexist, but especially from a man's point of view, because yeah. I think that in relation to eating disorders, that's something that's very, very much overlooked. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's a still a stigma around men having eating disorders, I guess. There's this idea that it just doesn't really happen to men. Um definitely. Uh, I think that is starting to change. I think there's more research being done on eating disorders in young men particularly. We know there's been a rise in it. So hopefully the attitude will fall away. But right now, I mean, certainly one of the things we found, and I'm sure you'll talk about, is getting help help as a guy has been really difficult. Very difficult. I mean, you know, uh, I'm being treated by a company here in the Netherlands, which are not, they're, you know, they're a private medical company because everything is in the Netherlands, uh, but they're called um, Navarum. They have been really, really good. They've been keeping up on top of me. So uh, to let you know about myself, I ha- I started off with what was probably more akin to 
a, a typical bulimia nervosa type of situation about 10 years ago mm-hmm. off the back of a, would you call it like a nervous breakdown, psychotic break? It was more of a nervous breakdown, I think. Do you think? Um, yeah. Maybe a bit of both. A little bit of both. Either way, hot mess. It was a cocktail of things. Yeah, as we've mentioned before, <laughs> complete hot mess. <laughs> but it one of the things that kind of came out of that and lasted was this um, this 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 purging. Now, back in the day, it was very much a, a, a very typical bulimia. I would consume a lot and I would purge and I would consume a lot and I would purge. But over the course of the years, it's morphed into something that would fall under uh, the classification of atypical eating disorder. Now, this is probably a good time to talk about the classifications of eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So there are three main recognized definitive eating disorders. Those are anorexia nervosa, which is probably the longest one, the longest running. Longest, <laughs> it's, just, it's probably the best known, I would it's, say, it's if you want to talk about that, it. In it's those been terms. the one that's had an, a, an affirmed diagnostic, like been in the DSM the longest and had diagnostic procedures for it the longest. And it's the one that probably comes to mind most commonly when people think of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Then we have, uh, like mentioned, bulimia nervosa, which is... Uh, so anorexia nervosa is where you, you would uh, you would typically consume less than you need to. You try to l- restrict your intake of food massively. And interestingly enough, and I'm going to come on to the book that I've been reading because it was it was I was told to read it by the people that are going to be treating me because I can't do any of the group therapy because it's all in Dutch. Would <laughs> <laughs> be a bit of a barrier. Um, but the thing is that the isn't realized a lot is anorexia often has periods of binge eating mm-hmm. as well because you get to that point where you may, you may slip from your 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 desired kind of eating pattern when you have that one forbidden food it turns into a binge mm-hmm. now bulimia nervosa is very typical like binging is very much at the center of that uh that it's eating disorder although it does follow uh, a kind of binge purge cycle so you'll start off you you'll binge a lot of uh food and then you'll purge it by purging i mean vomiting or you the use of laxatives i uh, i mean there's also uh associated with this excessive uh exercise as mm, well yeah, to compensate yeah. but generally it's made up of eating a large amount of food specifically in one sitting usually in secret and then employing some form of compensate compensatory measure mm. to prevent weight gain and then you have purging uh, not sorry purging disorder that's something i'll come on to in a bit you have binge eating disorder and that particular eating disorder is more categorized with the binge cycles that or the binge eating that you would find in bulimia but not necessarily associated with the compensatory measures mm. afterwards and there's eating disorders mm-hmm. and there's eating problems and they're they're very they're treated very distinctly and a lot of people out there may have eating problems Mm. but not realize it and the way that these are differentiated is an eating disorder where when it becomes a disorder is uh, when it has a significant impact on your physical health or life Mm. which is kind of where i'm at yeah yeah having nearly died a few times through it's been some near misses yeah Yeah, so uh, one of the side effects of purging a lot is that you can it fucks with your electrolytes basically and uh, one of the key electrolytes it fucks with is potassium or callium here in dutch 
which controls your muscles effectively. Yeah, you kind of need it to live. Yeah, like your heart. Like so, if you if you so the the condition for low potassium is called hypokalemia, and it's typically characterized anything under three point five moles uh, in your bloodstream is hypokalemia. Anything under two point five is potentially fatal. It means your heart can literally just stop out of the blue. And uh, my lowest, re- my lowest record when I was admitted, I think was like two point one. Mm. Um, and the ER doctor was like, "Never seen anyone with this outside the ER." <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So those are the main three main types of eating disorder. And then you have this kind of broad catch-all spectrum thing called any other type of eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Or not any other type of eating disorder, sorry, atypical eating disorder. Yeah. And that is used to classify disordered eating patterns that don't meet the criteria of either anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, or binge eating disorder. Now, there are some studies, uh, as I briefly mentioned the name, there are some studies on other disorders that may get their own classification outside of that atypical eating disorder. The one that I've been most interested in because it kind of fits with where I'm at now is purging disorder, which is typically characterized as not necessarily having any binge cycles as such. Normally, you would at least have a mostly healthy eating pattern, except you'll, you will purge mm-hmm. nearly everything that you consume. Yeah. So that's been, that's, that's kind of where we are. So uh, bulimia nervosa uh, was first really discussed in the, I believe it was, uh, yeah, the 70s, uh, 1976, there were rev- reports of bulimorexia, mm-hmm. which is just like, <laughs> <It's> a terrible <laughs> word. <laughs> it's a really hard word to say. Um, and then we go on to 1979 and uh, Professor Gerald Russell published the paper Bulimia Nervosa, an ominous variant of Anorexia Nervosa. And this is really where bulimia first started to get its um, its, its own kind of categorization. I yeah, guess. and its own yeah. kind of approach to treatment mm-hmm. as well. Now, going on from there, the atypical eating disorder actually makes up an equal percentage of reported eating disorders to bulimia nervosa. Bulimia nervosa has gone on to be the most uh, reported of the three main categorized yeah. eating disorders. I think the split is uh bulimia actually yeah bulimia nervosa is not like nearly two uh nearly half of reported eating disorders. So I didn't realize I mean I just assumed it was anorexia. No, which I, you know when we talk about this kind of stigma around eating disorders and what people understand, it, it, a lot of people probably probably do assume it's anorexia. Anorexia sorry it was it's actually anorexia that is equal to atypical eating disorders. So mm. there's about an equal rep- equal number of cases of those that would fall into either of those. Yeah. Bulimia by far is the most reported mm. and binge eating disorder is the, the smaller slice of the I pie. I wonder if it's because the physical signs of anorexia may be harder to hide. So more people can... No, we need to scrap this because I forgot. I'm not sure what point I was trying to make. Well, no, because bulim- bulimia nervosa, like you, I get where you were coming from with anorexia being... Uh, typically one that you can see the visible effects of so it's reported more but it's actually bulimia that's reported more because it's just more prevalent these right. days i think obviously i do uh, this is purely my own hypothesis and speculation but i wonder if it's because bulimia has kind of had that thing of like you know there's a lot of 
a lot of stuff about it in in media. Mm. Uh, like, you know, there's always those jokes of like, oh, go stick your finger down your throat in like mm. teen high school comedies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is definitely, I think that might play a part in why bulimia is now more associated. And also in, in some respects, bulimia is easier to hide. But yeah, that, that's the point I was trying to make and I got backwards on it. Like you, you can still maintain an outwardly normal appearance in life and hide bulimia, whereas with anorexia, the, the physical signs are more drastic when it gets really bad. Yes, completely. Um, bulimia, like I say, yeah, you can, you could, uh, you know, as I know from years, you, like you can go for a long time. And that's not to say your weight's not going to fluctuate, but it's not going to fluctuate as, dr- you're not going to get as drastically thin. Uh, it, well, not all the time anyway as you would do with with anorexia i mean myself when i was at my worst stage of eating mm-hmm. disorder i got very very yeah, very yeah. Thin. to the point where people did comment yes yeah. yeah it was yeah it was quite bad i mean i think at my lowest we're going in uk weight so imperials yeah i think at my lowest i was like maybe nine stone mm-hmm. which for me is kind of ridiculous yeah. i should like i should be averaging around 13 stone and mm-hmm. still i'm only about 10 yeah so yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the journey for me through my eating disorder has been a very tumultuous one. And I've had periods where it's been a lot, lot better and periods where it's been a lot worse. Um, so as it was, um, about 10, about 10 years ago, I had, like say a nervous breakdown, psychotic break, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, basically a hot mess. I was pumped full of every antipsychotic and every antidepressant under the goddamn sun. Um, and one of the side effects of some of these medific- medifications? Medifications. You were medified. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the side effects of some of these medifications. Med- <laughs> medications. Why am I saying medifications? I have no idea. Some of the side effects of these medications for me <laughs> were that I, they, they just gave me an upset stomach and I, I was throwing up. And at the time, I was self harming a lot as well. And for me personally, I think the vomiting kind of was another form of self-harm so that's why it kind of stuck around uh even after ceasing the medication that was causing the problems now uh it got to the point where like i say my weight got down really drastically but i've been a very this and thing i've been very very big mm. like you know significantly overweight and obviously i got a lot of positive reinforcement when i started losing the weight because everyone's like oh you look great you look great you look great and that i think that played a lot into the psychological makeup of why the eating disorder persisted for so long um as it stands now i i'm not i i i still have some like i suppose body dysmorphia issues I don't think I'm overweight. Mm. I genuinely don't think I'm overweight, but I do think I need, like, I do, I don't like, because I've got a bit of excess skin and that kind of thing. I you worry about becoming overweight again. I do worry about becoming overweight. Again, mm. that's definitely true. And I think that's true for a lot of people yeah. who go through uh, an eating disorder. And it, like, I, do you know one thing that's actually really kind of, in a lot of ways, been a real beneficial thing for me in helping improve my mindset on this is seeing people like... Kevin Owens mm. and Otis and people in pro wrestling yeah. that are healthy and athletes, yeah. but, you know, what you would think of as overweight. Well, and one of the things that scientists are discovering more and more as they study kind of food and nutrition and health, it, the correlation between weight and good health is, is not as strong as people used to think it was. You know, this idea that if you are fat, you are going to 
die of heart disease, high cholesterol, whatever. Studies now are finding actually that's much less true than we thought 10, 20 years ago. You know, the, the idea that being overweight intrinsically equals unhealthy is just not as scientifically solid as it used to be. Yeah, completely. Um, and I think you can be overweight, but as long as you're kind of like doing, you know, you've got exercise, you're active, you're looking after yourself, mm. then it's not as detrimental. Obviously, there are the extremes. There are extremes, you, but I you think can't, you can't generally... Be, you know, there is morbid obesity yeah. and it's called that for a yeah. reason. Yeah, and there, you know, there can be genetic factors and health complications yeah, that I mean, come well, with that. Well, you used to work for... Uh, I worked for a specialist in the genetics of obesity for seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, I was I was her PA, so I'm not a scientist. <laughs> just say that off the top. Yeah. But the 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 idea that weight is a moral issue, that health and weight are as intrinsically linked as we think, is I think changing. And I think also, yeah, definitely, as a society, we need to get past the idea that weight is a moral issue because I think it is a barrier to getting help. I mean, definitely. I mean, it, there's a lot of barriers to getting help, especially in places like the UK, because, mm. you know, like I, I will never say a bad word about the NHS. I will only say a bad word about the government that drastically underfunds yeah, it. Yeah, completely. And one of the areas, the, uh, the NHS, which is most underfunded is mental health and definitely eating disorders mm. as well. Yeah. So as as I've gone on through my journey with an eating disorder, if you like, like I say, it started off as a, a very, very typical bulimia nervosa case. Uh, and as, as, as it's progressed, it's become something, its own beast mm. in a way. It's very different to how would you would specifically categorize an eating disorder, mm. I guess. Now it's more in the form of I have a fairly regular steady eating pattern, but I just I vomit virtually after everything I eat. I'm actually having a good day today. I've made a very, very concerted effort to keep to to have my lunch, and I'm I'm doing okay for for today so far. So we'll see how the rest of the day plays <laughs> out. Fingers crossed. Um, but the repeated problems that I've had because of the 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 sheer volume of vomiting that I do throughout a day. I, I and at its peak, we're talking. I don't know, maybe. Upwards, you can be close to like 15 to 16 times, maybe even more times mm -hmm. vomiting a day, depending on what I'm doing, what my food intake's be, being like. It can even just be from fluids on occasion. And that has led to some, like, like we were saying, severe hypokalemia mm -hmm. at times. It's to the point now where I've been having blood tests on a weekly basis to keep my potassium in check, so all my calcium. Uh, so I have to take... Uh, a cali, uh, a potassium supplement drink. Uh, I have to take like 160 mils of that a day, effectively, to keep my potassium levels up. So my heart doesn't stop because in the last what month I've, we've had was it we've four, had like four, four or five, five hospital trips yeah. in the past six seven weeks, I would say something like that, yeah. uh, which is what has triggered um, the treatment that I'm going to be going in for. So as mentioned, I'm going to be going in to hospital on Jedi Day. May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Uh, and I'm going to be spending four, at least four weeks uh, uh, in inpatient care. And what that's going to consist of is uh, going in on a Sunday evening and I'll get to come home on a Friday afternoon mm -hmm. and I'll get to spend the weekend at home. But Monday to Friday or Sunday night to Friday, I'll be in the ward and they're going to be controlling my food intake. It's It's quite in a way quite draconian uh, they did in, the way you described it but then i also think like it's the dutch style to not sugarcoat these things just be like look you're gonna have a shit time but don't worry about it <laughs> yeah there's definitely that but i think um it the one thing that uh 
is quite funny is that I was very worried about it being the uh, the girl interrupted scenario. Mm. And actually it might be. <laughs> not, <laughs> Just don't, don't make friends with the sociopath. There are no sociopaths. It's, <laughs> it's a specific eating disorder ward. You'll be so, right it's going to be me and just like I think there's seven other people on the ward at the moment, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be the only bloke, as is always the case whenever I it get. Is, trained. I mean, all the horrible issues aside, it is basically a sitcom setup. <laughs> that is the darkest sitcom setup. <laughs> I'm not saying it would be a good sitcom, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So that's um, that's where. Uh, so yeah, I was saying the the meat, the the inpatient treatment. It's going to consist of. Uh, three meals a day. I have to consume these three meals a day. I get time in the bathroom in the morning and after I finish in the bathroom, they lock the bathroom doors and you have to ask it for a key to go to the bathroom. Uh, they do leave your bathroom unlocked overnight at least, mm-hmm. which because they don't want to be walking up every time you need to go for a piss yeah, in the night or whatever, fair, yeah. which yeah, fair enough. Uh, the rest of the time for me, I guess I'm not going to be taking part in the group therapy. I'm going to have a lot of dead time. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time probably playing my Switch mm-hmm. or reading mm-hmm. Probably buy a Kindle before we go in. Before I go in there, we, I, you're not coming with me. That would <laughs> this, be weird. This time, it's just you. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. One of the other interesting things, um, I understand why they do this because they have a lot of like you know severely malnourished patients in there. Is like movement is actually limited. You're mm-hmm. only allowed to. Typically, uh, most patients are only allowed to walk for 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I'm because my BMI is fine, and actually, I'm you know other than the potassium, I'm in as healthy a state as I can be, I guess. Yeah, I mean, every time we've been to hospital, they've checked your heart and all that kind of thing. And that's never been... Well, no, my, my ECG um, has been off. But I, but when they've done them again, like they've never been like, oh shit, there's a problem with the heart here, basically. They've never been concerned about that side of things as much as the, the calcium levels. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that, but no, that is true. They, they, they've ne- it's My ECG's been off and it's been weird. Uh, and there's been, a, you know... M- m- palpitation rhythms and things but it's it's been fixed as soon as the calcium levels fixed so it's not it's not caused any irreparable damage as of yet and that's what we're looking to try and avoid Mm -hmm. so what my intention is for what is now going to be a little uh, like micro series of episodes is i'm going to record an episode every time i'm we every time i'm home on the weekend which is only going to be like this episode a short like Mm -hmm. a short episode but i just want to document what the treatment's like, what I've been going through. Um, because I want other people out there who may be suffering at the same time to know A, that, you know, there is there are there are path there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this. And the recovery rate for eating disorders is quite high mm. if you get the right treatment. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's not like with other mental health issues going to be a something that you have to work at lifelong, but mm-hmm. there is there are support networks there and there are ways to do it. I mean one of the things they have, they have asked is that we put locks on the toilet doors at home <laughs> and that Naomi keeps the key. And I'm like, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's just impractical. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, hopefully it's, it's not going to be necessary. I don't, don't want to be like, like monitoring your bathroom well, use. Well, I think the thing is, that, you some know, mystery, right? Yeah, exactly. And not just that. I think, you know, I'm very, I've, I've been very open and honest mm. about this entire thing. So it's not like I'm going to lie and sneak off. I've never, I've never been secretive about it. And no, I, you know, because I've always been adamant and I still am adamant that you should never be, I get why eating disorders have, because there is that shame built into it. And I do understand that completely, but you should never be ashamed of being ill. 
And that's what having an eating disorder is, just mm. like any other mental health issue. It's you are ill and that's not your fault. No, not at all. And again, it's this idea of moving away from the stigma and the the factors that, which are obviously far too numerous and complex for us to get into, but the factors that push people into eating disorders, disordered patterns of eating, secretive behavior around their food and their bodies, you know, all those things. If if we can, even if it's just you and I can be open and talk about it a bit, hopefully that will make it easier for somebody else to be open about it because that's how you progress and that's how you change the scenarios. Yeah, completely. And um, so some of the stuff that I've been talking about in this particular episode, I'm going to uh, post a link to a book. And the book is called, let me just look it up on my Kindle app now. It's called... Overcoming binging eat bin binging eating <laughs> <laughs> overcoming binge eating uh the second edition by to- Dr. Christopher G. Fairburn. Fairburn? Fairburn? Fairburn. Fairburn. Uh it's available on Amazon for Kindle. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting read. I mean, if like myself, I because I've I've suffered with anything sort of so long, I've I, I've kind of read so much about eating disorders. But the the one thing that has been my big takeaway from this book so far is actually because even though it says overcoming binge eating, it does talk about all spectrums of eating disorders. And one thing that I hadn't really considered is the way they they talk about the nature of a, a binge. Mm. So you have. Uh, two types of yeah, sorry, our, our our eldest cat Yuki is just kind of pouring at Naomi. It's, uh, it's ten minutes till tea time, yeah. and she knows. She's just sat there giving the most disapproving look. She hates me. She's so done with my shit of of not feeding her on demand <laughs> twenty four hours a day. <laughs> Yuki, you haven't eaten. <laughs> she's she's a problem. Yes, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, so there's two different types of ways that you can look at uh, eating disorders. You have uh, sorry, not eating disorders, binge, mm. uh, binges. There's the objective binge, which is where you consume a, an amount of food which is just too much and you leave yourself feeling horrifically bloated. And uh, yeah, you've, you've consumed way more than what would be considered a normal amount of food to consume in a sitting. And then you have subjective binges, which is where I think actually some of my food intake mm. lies and subjective binges is where you yourself just feel guilty about the food that you've eaten. Yeah. And so it's a kind of mixed bag for me. So I've got this problem where I've had, because I've been purging for so long and I've been suffering with this eating disorder for so long, my body can't process food or uh, digest food properly anymore. So what that means is that if I eat anything of any real substance, I become incredibly, uh, Discom- discomforted, uh, bloated, cramps, you know, you name the gambit of horrible stomach things that can happen and it's there. You know, I'm not going to go, I'm not not going to go into talking stools because <laughs> I think even that's probably a bit too much. <laughs> Again, there has to be some history. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I have noticed is that I eat quite a lot of snacks in between meals and that's largely because I've purged my meals so I'm still hungry. I, like, you know, the purge will happen and I'll be satiated for a while even after the purge, but that doesn't last very long. And I, I eventually I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. You know? And my snacking generally, I try to keep it healthy. So I snack a lot on things like olives or meat snacks. That's... So like, I, you know, I really like my jerky and things like that. Um, You know, I try, I, I'm not saying I completely do because I've got a big bag of Twixes upstairs, but <laughs> I, like I do try to steer clear of more confectionery based mm-hmm 
foods and things as much as possible and like i eat a lot of fruits and things um and fruits good and bad is like it's hard to digest typically you know like if you eat fruit after a meal fruit sits on top of mm. everything and is the longest thing to digest right and um, well, I do try to eat because at least it's it, it's in some way it's healthy. You're getting yeah. some good nutrients from it. It's not just shit. So I think that those little snacking things that I do are actually, if I if I was to be brutally honest about them, subjective binges yeah, in a yeah. way. Even though they may not seem like a large amount of food, I still feel bad for eating them, mm. and I still purge them. So that's been something that's. Giving me pause for thought, I guess, is the way to to wait the way to look at it. But I'll, I'll make sure to link into the show notes uh, of the book because uh, for anyone out there who's suffering with an eating disorder, I do think that reading through this book is is beneficial because it can help put things into context. Yeah, at least. I mean, I've been wondering if it'd be useful for me to read just so I know yeah, what's I mean, happening on your end. You know, so, it, yeah. I think it's definitely it's it, it, if nothing else, it's an interesting read because the guy's very the guy's very objective. Um, and obviously knows his shit and he's done the, this is the revised second edition which takes into account some of the more recent studies that have been going on like I said I'm only about um, maybe a third just over a third of the way through the book I started reading it last night in bed because mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep because I've had a lot of anxiety about the mm-hmm. uh, the upcoming inpatient yeah. treatment because it, it's it's not going to be fun the, the way the meals are prepared um, it's I mean it's hospital food anyway, so it's not great. Mm-hmm. And it's Dutch hospital food, so it's yeah. fucking like they describe the three meals that like the the hot so they do a a breakfast which consists of either bread or muesli. So I'm gonna be going for muesli and yeah. yogurt because like get some flavor at least. <laughs> and then lunch include always is a hot lunch and always includes three slices. You have to have like three slices of bread a day. This is um, incredibly Dutch. I think the problem for me is bread is a real problem mm. food for me. Bread really hurts my stomach. Mm. And I, I just wonder if that's maybe a gluten. I hate to use that fucking gluten issue, but you mm. know, um, I like I've had IBS issues come off. Yeah, the back I mean, of, maybe it's something you can find out throughout the course of this. Yeah, mm. well, I, I've got some tests and things coming up before I go into uh into the treatment because they want to rule out any physical reasons for Mm. like any problems with my stomach that could be contributing to the frequent vomiting yeah because if if i've got a physical issue and then they're trying to effectively force feed me Mm. uh on a regular diet they could exacerbate those things so um if you've got a good health practitioner out there, they're going to not just look at the psychological sides, they're going to look at the physical sides as well to, to make sure that there's not something that's contributing to it. Because this, I mean, there's, you know, there's no denying there's a psychological side of things. Mine, it's not, it's whole, it's not wholly physical, but there is a large physical element to it because of the digestion problems. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about on this show and to let you guys know that there's going to be some episodes coming up probably four, maybe five, depending on how long the treatment lasts, where I'm just going to, they're going to be short like this, just me talking about what the past week has been like in uh, in care. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be going into any details about any of the people that I'm in there with because I'm going to respect their confidentiality, you know, the confidentiality and respect mm-hmm. their privacy. But I will talk about my own experiences and the struggles that I've had. And hopefully it can give people out there who are suffering with eating disorders a view of what the recovery process is going to be like and 
okay, it might be di- very different for you, but at least gives you a kind of an idea of what to expect. And, you know, as I've been told, it's not going to be easy. And nothing in life that's worth it ever is. No, but no. I implore, after 10 years of suffering and trying to get help, if you can get help, honest to God, please take it. It's life's too short to live with this shit. And yeah. food is awesome once you can yeah, enjoy it again. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's not something you can do without. So you yeah, have to make you, your peace with it. But you know, everyone deserves to have a good relationship with their body and their mind yes. and their food. That's the bottom line. Whatever your issue is, you deserve help solving it. Completely. And I would like to say that if anyone out there is listening to this and would like to talk to me personally about uh, asking me any questions or anything, um, please feel free to reach out. You can can you can contact me uh, directly uh, via the show at proteanramblings.com. That's um, an alias on my direct email address. Um, and I'd be happy to take any questions or, you know, talk to anyone who's struggling or um, offer any advice. And now I'm not a medical practitioner, but I can't, you know, I just want people to know that they're not alone out there, especially especially guys who might be suffering out there in silence because, you know, it's one of those things that, yes, I know it's a male world and everything, you know, male-dominated and feminism, and I am feminist, but this is one subject where guys get the short well, end I think of the it's, stick. I think it's the, the, the flip side of it's a male-dominated world, and the problem with that is the expectations on men may, you know, to be in control, in charge, um, and without weaknesses of any kind, <laughs> prevents men from from getting help, from seeking help, because they they can't admit to the people around them as a problem. Yeah, yeah, and I, and, and I think there is definitely a bit more of a stigma mm. for men. You know, if a woman's got an eating disorder, it's very oh, we need to help. You know, the, because of um, you know fashion magazines and everything like there's that there's that understanding of like oh you've been pressured into this by mm. society and the demands on you by a, a, a sexualized society mm. those same demands exist for for, for men as well yeah, it's just absolutely. not really no. it's I not really it, the conversation about. is moving that way but it's going to be very slow yeah. you know um so you need we need to do everything we can to, to help move it and and recognize that men are just as affected as women. And that is the whole thing of equality. It's equality in everything, right? Yeah, we both get to have all the same shitty mental health problems <laughs> and body issues. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I hope this episode has been um, has been interesting and hopefully helpful in mm-hmm. some way for some people out there to hear a bit more of a frank discussion on these kind of things. And like I said, I'll be back with, we'll be back with more episodes on this as, as I go through the treatment. And I do hope that this inspires other people to get help um because it's worth doing and lord knows i've been trying for a long Mm. time i'm very as as nervous and as as anxious i am about this i'm also looking forward to coming out the other side of it potentially change like with a life-changing absolutely thing so uh yeah the offer offer their stands for anyone who out there suffering who wants to talk to me a bit more in depth about this thing you know i'm because obviously I'm not going to, I'm going to spare you the really gory details of things that go on, because I'm sure no one wants to hear that. But if if people do want to know more, please do reach out. Um, And if there's any of our Dutch listeners out there, um, I'd be more than happy to um, share the details of Navarum, the the company that I'm being treated by, um, and so on and so forth. And 
yeah, that's that's our show. Sorry, it's a bit of a downer and a bit of a yeah, serious. Yeah, we're note, gonna come back with some fun stuff to break it up. Yeah, the next episode that you'll be getting after this, which I'm actually gonna release, um, not next week. I'm gonna release it quite shortly after because this is kind of like a, a specialy type thing. So I'm I'm gonna release this on because normally we release on a Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to release this on like a Saturday and then we'll get our regular ske- schedule broadcasting on a Monday, which is more fun stuff. Yeah. And we're going to be coming back with our first in the Naomi Never Saw It series <laughs> where we're going to watch the never-ending story and come back and talk about that. And it's, again, probably not going to be a long episode, mm-hmm. but we're just going to talk about, going to talk to Naomi, see what her thoughts are, are on the film and just generally talk about the never-ending story and all of its awesomeness. <laughs> so, uh, I feel under a lot of pressure now to like it. I, I, I'll be <laughs> damn shocked if you don't. So, yeah, I hope, in closing, everybody out there, anyone who's listening who's suffering from an eating disorder, I wish you all the best and I really hope that you are able to get the help that that you want and need and uh yeah. yeah there is always a light at the end of the tunnel and stay positive as much as you can that's that's the end message really so strength love honor and we will be back with more fun discussions in a couple of days yeah stay safe everyone stay safe bye <laughs>